welcome to this week's Shoot the Moon podcast, broadcasting live and direct from Revenue Rocket World Headquarters in Bloomington, Minnesota. Revenue Rocket is the world's premier growth strategy and M&A advisor to tech-enabled services businesses. And with me today and this week's podcast are my partners, Ryan Barnett and Matt Lockhart. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Mike. Great to be here. Great to be here. Spring has sprung. Let's uh, let's roll. Awesome. So today, Ryan, I think we're talking about questions asked before considering selling your firm. Um, yeah. So things that you need to ask yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So if this is got, goes a bit of our series of of, of preparing for acquisitions. So uh, many companies that we speak to today, they understand that. Uh, acquisitions can be a big growth lever for the firm, but don't necessarily know exactly where to start in the process. Uh, that same question can go if uh, you're looking to sell your firm. And when we talk to to IT services leaders, uh, it's very, very common that they have a goal in mind that an exit is in, in the future. I think, Mike, you've said that every owner that you've talked to has got exit plans on their mind. Uh, it may not be today, but in the future, they 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 built the company with a vision for some kind of exit or very, very least a successful transition to new business owners. So what we're looking at today is uh, before you even start that process and you look at, hey, I'm I'm going to sell that to my firm. Uh, we want to take one step back and and go through a series of questions you may want to ask yourself about before even considering a process, the questions you should really ask yourself. So Mike and Matt, I'll just kind of, I'll set up some of the, the questions here, but feel free to uh, add any of your own questions here and then we'll summarize them at the end. But uh, we'll start with a kind of the big one. If you're if you're looking to sell and I'm Mike, I'm going to go start uh, almost at the, with the end in mind here is uh, you know, why would you consider a process in the first place? What's the biggest driver for someone to take a look and consider selling the firm? Well, certainly it's personal for most business owners as to when the right time is to consider selling. Um, I think it's important to understand what are your drivers and what is your timeline. So, um, you know, generally you don't want to sell your firm under duress. Uh, that does happen from time to time when either people are tired or burned out or they want to change because they just can't, they feel like can't get the firm to the next level based on their own um, experience or motivation or, or, or inputs. Um, another uh, common one we've had a lot of uh, in the last few years has been retirement. There's certainly people that want to retire and they want to, you know, transition the firm to a good home. And they essentially want to sell out. Um, there's other folks that want to sell in. They feel that like they can go faster with a partner. Uh, they really are looking for a one plus one equals three, four, or five. And, you know, they want to be part of something bigger. I feel, you know, as uh, we all know, you know, entrepreneurship can be a lonely, lonely road, right? Um, and a lot of the trials and tribulations you experience as an entrepreneur um you have to sort of experience um in many ways especially in the early days on your own and so um you know they 
a lot of folks just want more fellowship and more alignment uh, with like-minded uh, tech executives. And that oftentimes can be a big driver for selling. And I think to sum up this point, I would just encourage everyone to, who's contemplating a sale to really think about why you're doing it and what your desired outcome is before you enter a process. Um, obviously a structured process will help you ensure that it actually gets done uh, versus you just you know feeling it out. And I think using outside advisors helps that happen for sure. So, you know, if you're gonna engage someone to help you um, and you in a good place, uh, a good mindset, uh, the, the, the likelihood of getting that deal done is pretty high. So I think being able to think on purpose about what those desired outcomes are, why you're going to market, and kind of what happens after you're, after it's done are all important things that should go into your, you know, decision matrix before kind of thinking about going to market. Yeah, I think that that's probably the most critical one is uh, when, when do you think it's going to happen and why are you doing it? I, I think that's extremely critical. Uh, Matt, you could probably talk this a little bit more, but it's, uh, and we've talked about this on other podcasts, but this concept of uh, are you selling in or selling out? I think it's one of the most critical to uh, to consider. Yeah, no doubt, Ryan. I, and I was just going to build upon what you know, Mike was saying that the emotionality aspect of really entering a new chapter, closing an existing chapter, and and entering in into a new chapter, it, it can't be taken lightly. And you know, I was just going to also say that. You know, once you start, it's it's uh, it's hard to pull back, right? So we often advise people against sort of dipping your toe in the water and seeing what's seeing what's possible. Because you know, once you cross that that chasm of of looking at um, an acquisition, you know, things are gonna just naturally change individually, you know, emotionally. Um, but also within the business. And so, you know, it's not to be taken lightly. And then to your point, you know, Ryan, I think that it is absolutely critical to think about the the context of selling in versus selling out. And uh, for those uh, common listeners, you know that we had a, an entire podcast on this topic, but selling in is basically you're you're going to continue forward with um, the acquiring firm in the new company and uh, continue to to help uh, drive value, grow the firm, grow the new company, and you've got a second run. and And oftentimes you hear about that second bite at the apple, and you're working towards that. So, you know the. The terms that you'll hear is is the opportunity to de-risk or take chips off the table, if you will, and then work towards a, a, a second uh, a second opportunity monetarily. But then also to to find people that you that you really trust, um, that you that you want to work with on a day to day basis, um, and quite honestly that you can answer to <laughs> because. You, you, as a seller, you're you're not going to be in control, and you're not going to have that controlling interest. And so, you know, finding those people that you want to work with and that you trust is absolutely critical in that selling in aspect um, versus selling out, which is, 
you know, after an applicable transition period, you're going to walk away and and truly start a different chapter, <laughs> not just a new chapter, but a but a different chapter. And so, um, you know, I think that yes, you still have to answer that first question of are you ready, right? Individually, personally, or is your team ready, right? If it's a if it's a group, if it's a partnership, um, and be on the same page. And then I think that second question of what are you looking for in uh, selling in and selling out is is critical. Yeah, it, it's well well said, Matt. I think that part of this to to jump into to that question, uh, business owners often ask themselves, will a transaction get me to the point where I need to be financially? And I think that's one of those questions is, uh, what is your number? And the corresponding thing that comes with that is, uh, what is my firm worth? So Mike, I'd love to uh, um, hear your, your thoughts on kind of understanding uh, um, how do you come to that number or, or is that a valid question? And, and B, uh, how, what's the, uh, the value of a firm? Yeah, I think it's important to note that, um, you know, buyers need to be aware here in the sense that if you're someone looking to sell your firm and you're looking to hire an advisor, um, you know, there's lots of what I would consider to be less than scrupulous advisors that will promise you the world about getting to your number. Um, when in reality, they don't have a good handle on what that really is. And so a good first logical step is to make sure that when you engage an advisor or an outside third party, that you get a real objective evaluation of your business. Um, you know, <clears throat> based on sort of market uh, comps, as well as you know, analyzing the financials and more traditional valuation models. I think the best people to do that, frankly, are people who actually conduct transactions because the ultimate value of a firm is determined when you have a willing buyer and a willing seller. <clears throat> Certainly there's plenty of folks that do valuations, accountants do valuations, there's certified valuation consultants that do valuations. There's broker and advisory firms that do valuations. Um, but I think it's important to note that um, ultimately you want someone who has competent financial staff and an objective model to do that valuation. And typically someone that helps negotiate deals um, because they need to have that experience of where are the transactions actually occurring today. Um, and frankly, not just take the advice of someone who doesn't really do valuations and just does a piece or a part of that overall uh, equation. Um, because um, there is a lot of snake oil salesmen out there that are uh, position themselves as m &A advisors who really are just looking to get your retainer money and you know their success rates are not all that high um, and they'll tell you just about anything to get that deal signed up um, likewise or to lock you up in a long-term exclusive agreement which ultimately they get paid down the road whether you do a deal with them or not which we think again is somewhat unscrupulous uh, in their approach um, so the first step is to get a current value valuation done for your firm with an experienced firm 
who works in the space and can help you objectively consider what it's worth. And then more importantly, if it's not worth what you think it is, or if it's not your number, that you have a path of what changes need to be made to help you grow into your number. Um, and you know, having a firm that can provide advice and counsel around that, as well as help you with your growth strategy is super important. Um, because oftentimes, you know, making these kinds of changes in the business um, are not immediately um, intuitive or evident, or you would have already made them, right? Uh, in order to grow your firm or optimize it for, for profit and growth. And so I think entering into an objective conversation about what is the value in understanding internally, what is your number? And if there's any gap in those numbers, understanding what your next step is to get to your number is super important. Yeah, and that's uh, exactly why some of the M&A readiness um, conversations we have really look to what it takes to shore up the business to get to the revenue and profit needed for buyers to be attractive to your business, uh, attracted to your business, pardon me. Uh, and that kind of goes to one of the next questions I think that that sellers need to consider is, and Matt, I'd love to have you expand a little bit about this is, you know, what do you need to do strategically so potential buyers are really understanding of what they might be interested in? Uh, so um, maybe it's technology or services or process, but um, you can talk a little bit about how you might, um, what questions you might ask on positioning your, uh, what you do and how you do it. Yeah, I think a variety of, of areas to unpack there a little bit, but what what is the greatest value um, in your firm? You know, not just the monetary value, but your strategic value in the marketplace. So let's think about and 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 then how do you position that for the right buyers? Right. So you could say, you know, you're let's let's think about a couple of scenarios. One, you've just got a, a real strength geographically. Right. So maybe you're a, a real market leader in um, in a certain geography, you know, maybe the southwest, right, for example, or northeast or right. And and you've just got a command on that geographic marketplace right and and that could be a real strength and selling point for for the right buyers or potentially your um your your strength and capability in a, in a technology sector you know we've seen this and actually have represented this numerous times so you've got a real strength in the microsoft ecosystem and um, and that lines up with a, a potential buyer who, you know, has a strength in a different ecosystem, you know, it could be AWS, for example. And so you're really positioning that strength in in that ecosystem, um, not just, you know, because of the technology strength, but your ability to 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 just maneuver the 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 behemoth that is Microsoft or the behemoth that is AWS. Um, 
you know, potentially you've got a, a you've been able to drive a, a higher level of recurring revenue and uh, and you're really wanting to the ability to position and and show that as a, a real strength. Maybe you've 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 added a service line um, that is, you know, kind of on the cutting edge or um, it's you're you're you you've been able to innovate uh, that demonstrates that that you you're, you're ahead of the marketplace. So thinking about kind of all of these potential real strategic values um, and then does that show? Right? Does that show in your marketing materials? Does that show in your customer contracts? Does that show in um, you've created the breadth and the depth of that capability and that and that strength? I think that that um, and we've we've done a fair amount of work with you know our our customers on on doing just this is is helping them realize where they've got strategic differentiation and making sure that that's you know brought to light in other cases we've you know we've been able to identify where you know where they could go that increases value um in the marketplace and and you know guided them and you know and then they spent 12 18 24 months in in working towards that but it was it was worthwhile because it added so much um of their it added to their um their basically their their valuation because of the strategic nature of of what they've what they built so you know variety of different means each and every one of these is its own uh story if you will um and and i just um it's something to think about you know you brought up the context of of m a readiness which is one of our you know one of the things that we do m a readiness once you've answered that, that question of i think i'm getting close to being ready emotionally boy it's time to talk to you know peer groups talk to advisors you know we'd love to talk to you to say okay you know are you are you really ready right yeah i, I think you, you really covered that well on it what strategic value does a does a do you bring to the market uh, no deal doesn't it doesn't get done if it doesn't make sense financially which we talked about it a little bit earlier uh, it doesn't get done if it, it's not doesn't fit strategically uh as well i think you did a great job covering that uh, mike that kind of leaves in at least in our uh, stool of things to think about the uh, the other part of that three-legged stool is the culture fit and uh, can you expand a little bit of what questions uh, should a owner look at when considering their legacy uh, of the employees that they're with and the culture that they're trying to merge into and and what to look for in a potential buyer? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, what's really important is to evaluate in a potential buyer, you know, um, you know, how do they think about employee care and customer care philosophies, right? These are critical elements. Um, those are indicators of some of the culture uh, aspects of the business. Um, and, you know, and they're fairly mechanical. Um, I think the, 
the untangible, intangible is <clears throat> in spending time with those individuals uh, that own and run those businesses that may be acquiring you, you, know, you really have to ask your question, can I work with these people, right? Could I work with these people? Even if I'm selling out, would these be somewhat, would this be a group of people that I would be excited to work with? Because I think as you built your firm, the firm uh, culture often mirrors your own culture, right? your own thinking about customer care, client care, and just in general life um, philosophy. Um, and when it does that, you need to realize that, you know, the team will think similarly, otherwise they wouldn't work with you, right? Your own team will, will think in many of the same ways. So there is an alignment there. Um, and so when you evaluate a buyer, you need to really be asking yourself, could you as an individual see working with them and for them for an extended period of time? And if the answer is no, I think you have to be honest with yourself that even if the strategy and financial aspects of the deal come together, it's really not a deal that will be successful post-transaction um, because your team is going to evaporate post-transaction. They're not going to be in alignment with that business, uh, the way that those business owners and leaders think about life in general and, and uh, their work-life balance and their customer care and client care philosophies and everything that's important to them. Um, and so, uh, you know, evaluating it as, you know, some bit, some part sort of gut and, and, and art, if you will, to sort of think about, you know, are these people I could, you know, like and work with and have a long-term relationship with or not? And then beyond that, you know, probably more mechanical around the customer care and client care philosophies and, and what they do. And do they really walk the talk or do they just, is it a veneer? You got to get through that too, because it may sound great, but until you actually go see their business and go into their office, you know, if they have an office and most of them will, um, and spend time with them, you probably really won't know uh, the answers to those questions. But I think, you know, you've got to be nodding and it's got to feel right, or I'd recommend not doing the deal. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. It is go back again to that legacy of protecting your customers, protecting your employees, um, and protecting uh, really your brand and reputation of what you built. It's important to have a suitor in line that's going to align with that. And, and I think in general, when you when you consider selling your firm, there are a lot of more tactical questions. I mean, for example, if you have a a large debt service, you uh, to, to understand that. A transaction uh, typically is going to have you extinguish that debt. You know, what does that mean for you personally? Um, it also means you might have a cash harvest. So there's things to think about cash planning that are important. I think it's important to think about things like uh, understanding your churn rates and what type of customers you have, proving some of those things before you can go to market, or uh, understanding you know the margins that you have today that allow you to uh, market the firm better when you look at uh, potential suitors. Uh, those are all things to, uh, if I'm in two years out, I might be thinking, how do I strategically make margins better? How do I improve the, the technology set and product offerings that we have? How do I make sure that I'm targeting a, a market 
that's appealing to a buyer and my customers are aligned with either contracts or long-term agreements or recurring revenue. Those are things that are, I think, in the background of your mind. Uh, but first, you've got to get through some of these, the strategic fit, the cultural fit, and ultimately that financial fit of, of what it means to have a, a big, big uh, event happen in, in your life. Um, with that, guys, I think we, we've covered a lot here today. Uh, Matt, I'll turn it over to you for any closing thoughts and then uh, hand it back over to Mike. Well, I mean, it's a big deal. <laughs> I mean, this is this for for especially like founder led businesses. This is a culmination of, of blood, sweat and tears. Right. And uh, it's uh, it's it's one of the most important um, at least business, personal, financial um events of for for many people in their lives right now for others they you know they they've done it one or two or three times so but it's still super important and um you know i i think that it's um engaging early with people who've been there before um i guess is the is probably the most important piece of advice that I that I'd offer. And and again, um, obviously engaging with an advisor is going to make it a whole bunch um, less stressful. Uh, it's going to create greater outcomes, and but not just advisors. Uh, understanding who within your peer groups are are going to be uh, people that you can talk to and and whatnot, but um, uh, start early when you're getting close to that point of being ready where you're where you you know you're you're getting there um don't wait don't delay and uh start early in in talking to the professionals sure matt thanks uh thanks to both of you for all your insights and uh this great podcast that will tie a ribbon on it for this week as we're approaching spring here in the Midwest and uh, at Revenue Rocket, I encourage you all to tune in next week when we'll unpack uh, more uh, <clears throat> exciting topics around growing your tech-enabled services business and ultimately doing M&A transactions. With that, make it a great day and a great week. Take care.